Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the lands we record this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, as well as the Wanarua and the Gamilaroi people. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Where would we be as humans without the companionship and relationships we have with dogs? From hunting and herding, sniffing out disease, warning us of an oncoming medical episode or natural disaster, to being a cherished member of our families, these animals have lived alongside us for tens of thousands of years. Today, we look into the scientific research that shows that owning a dog actually has measurable and tangible health benefits for fur parents. But first, news headlines for Friday, March 3. The man accused of killing Queensland woman Toy accordingly has been officially charged with murder after arriving back in the state yesterday. 38-year-old Rajwinder Singh was put on a charter flight from Melbourne to Cairns in far north Queensland after being extradited from India on Wednesday. He arrived in handcuffs and was flanked by four detectives who then drove him to the police station to be formally charged. Toy Accordingly's body was found by her father in sand dunes at Wongeti Beach in October 2018, a four-year manhunt leading investigators to Singh who was arrested in India. The unfair dismissal case of a political staffer will be used as a test case in what constitutes reasonable overtime for working Australians. Sally Rugg was working for Teal Independent Dr Monique Ryan when she claimed she was sacked for refusing to work unreasonable hours. Her lawyer alleging Dr Ryan publicly acknowledged that her staff were working 70-hour weeks and that the Commonwealth had been on notice for many years about the unlawful excessive hours parliamentary staff had faced. Private mediation between the two has failed, so the case will return to court in Melbourne today, Miss Rugg seeking compensation from both Dr Ryan and the Commonwealth. Russian President Vladimir Putin claims Russia has been hit by a terrorist attack in the southern Bryansk region near the border with Ukraine, vowing to crush what he says is a Ukrainian sabotage group who fired at civilians. Ukraine, in response, is accusing Russia of staging a false provocation, but also appeared to imply that there had been some form of operation in the area carried out by Russian anti-government partisans. In a televised address where Putin declared he will crush them, he also claims the group was made up of people who wanted to rob Russia of its history and language. There are two unverified videos circulating online of people claiming to be Russian liberators, calling on civilians to take up arms and rise up against the authorities, but say they did not fire on civilians or take hostages. 
Officials have confirmed that one of the people who died after the asylum seeker boat they were on smashed into rocks off the coast of Italy on the weekend is a former member of the Pakistani women's hockey team. Shahida Raza, who represented Pakistan at several international games, was a member of the Shiite Muslim Hazara minority, a group who are often targeted by Islamist militants. Friends saying she had enlisted human smugglers to get her out of the country to seek a better future for her disabled son. She was on the boat believed to be carrying more than 100 people when it ran into a storm and crashed into the rocky coastline, leaving 67 dead, including many children. Ahead of World Obesity Day tomorrow, a report by Health Research Alliance Research Australia has found obesity rates have doubled over the last decade, costing the Australian economy almost $12 billion. The report also found that less than 1% of obese Australians who visit their GP receive weight management support, despite research indicating that many cases can be linked to genetics, family history and ethnicity. Royal Australian College of General Practitioners Specialist Georgia Regis says obesity is a complex medical condition that affects individuals in different ways and that the disease remains greatly misunderstood, leaving patients at risk of stigmatisation, miscommunication and a lack of formal medical diagnosis. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. Do you feel like your dog helps keep you healthy? My dog is really just my best friend. You know, looking into her eyes when I'm feeling sad, it makes me feel so much better. That unconditional love is next level and they really do become a companion. My dog is the cutest, happiest, littlest boy ever, but he now lives with my parents, so I don't get to see him as much. So to still get that burst of joy he gives me when I get to see his little head, I FaceTime my parents once a week, just so I get to FaceTime the dog. My dog helps my mental health every single day. If I'm stressed or anxious, I give my golden retriever a big cuddle or he gives me one, and the stress honestly melts away. It's like a doggy dopamine hit. Dogs can do incredible things. We know they're smart, like Bobby the Scotch Collie, who back in 1923 got separated from his family while on a road trip in Indiana in the US. Six months later, Bobby turned up at his owner's front door, having travelled over 4,000 kilometres across mountains and deserts to return home. We know they're loyal, like Greyfriars Bobby, a Sky Terrier who would spend his days and nights next to his human, an Edinburgh police night watchman. When his human died, Bobby refused to leave his master's grave for 14 years. In Japan, a Shina Ibu called Hachiko used to wait for his owner to return from work every day at the train station. But when his owner died at work suddenly one day, Hachiko still returned to the station every day for the next nine years. We know that dogs are helpful. Farmers and hunters have long bred and used dogs for work purposes. But in modern times, people have trained dogs to help with household chores, to pull us on sleds, guide us when we don't have sight, collect the mail, open doors, retrieve the phone if we can't hear. Dogs even have real jobs, even if they only get paid in pats and play. Detection dogs can sniff out bombs, drugs, money, guns, even human remains. The NYPD's canine urban search and rescue team arrived at the site of the 9-11 terror attack on the World Trade Centre just 15 minutes after the South Tower collapsed. 
Those dogs worked for weeks, sometimes 12 hours a day, helping hunt through the twisted metal and concrete for those who lost their lives that day. And then there are dogs whose noses can almost see inside us to find things that we don't even know are happening. Dogs can sniff out particular chemicals in our bodies and identify when they fall or increase, like Bella, Duke and Darwin, who've been trained to sniff out COVID-19. Dogs have also been trained to reliably sniff out certain cancers, a diabetic's low blood sugar levels, and when someone with epilepsy is about to suffer a seizure. They can also be trained to help those suffering from mental health issues, like PTSD, schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, or bipolar disorder. So we know that dogs that are trained by experts can achieve amazing things. But can a dog, who just lives in your house to be loved and adored by you, actually be also helping our mental, emotional and physical health? Katie Asplin is the Director of Animal Health Stewardship at Animal Medicines Australia. Katie, obviously walking our dogs is a direct impact on our physical health, but in what other ways has research found dogs improve our physical health? Yeah, so there is some research out there that pet owners may visit their GP less frequently than non-pet owners and they're less likely to have conditions related to heart disease and asthma as well, particularly in children. So there is quite a bit of evidence out there to support the fact that having dogs or other pets in your household do improve your health and your family's health other than just, yes, the obvious stuff of taking them for a run or a walk. Now, you mentioned kids there. There's often discussion about having a dog when you have a kid helps improve their immune system. Is there any weight to that that you know of? Yeah, I think there is some evidence out there. Like I said, there is some evidence that, you know, people, including children that have pets in the house, tend to go to the doctor less frequently. So there does seem to be some evidence to support these, I suppose, urban myths that children who grow up in households with pets tend to be a little bit more robust. Yeah. And it can help with allergies as well. That doesn't mean you let your dog lick your baby's mouth, right? No, (laughs) no, absolutely not. (laughs) Now, psychologically, I mean, there's been like a billion studies on the psychological impact of pet ownership, but what research is out there to show that they do actually help us with our mental health? Sure. So there are some studies that support that, and there's an organisation called the Human Animal Bond Research Institute, or HABRI, which is a non-profit research and education organisation which looks at this human-animal bond, and it's got some really good information there. In addition to that, Animal Medicines Australia puts out a triennial Pets in Australia report and the survey looks and asks people about their experience with pets and how their pets fit into their lives. So a lot of the questions that we ask them in that survey is around how pets might be helping them with their mental health. And it's really consistent, particularly during the pandemic, that we saw people consistently reporting that their pets really, really helped them during those difficult times of anxiety and social isolation as well in terms of having not just the companionship of that pet, but then as we started to emerge from the pandemic, at least being able to, you know, take them out for a walk and feel like they were a member of their community. Now, I know we've kind of touched on kids already with their immune systems, but there's some discussion about how dog ownership in particular amongst kids, both of sort of primary school age and through their teenage years, actually helps them create better sort of social connections with humans. Do we think that there's like a link between having a relationship with a dog and then having a relationship with actual humans? 
Yeah, I think so. So there is some information around that in terms of teaching children empathy and understanding towards another living entity. So if they have empathy towards their pets as children, then they're more likely to have more empathy towards humans as they grow up. It also teaches children a lot of responsibility and compassion. And again, that connection to their community. So, you know, it can take them out of their own home and they can interact with other people with their family taking the dog for a walk or in a dog park or something like that. What about dogs as caregivers? I know a lot of people say that they really feel great when their dog seems to understand when they're unwell and sort of sticks close or lays on their bed or like hangs out with them when they're sick. Do we know if dogs are actually interpreting that the way we think they are? Um, That's a good question. Anecdotally, again, in our pet report, people definitely report that that's how they feel about their pets and they do believe that their pets understand when they need support and they're there to give it, which is really wonderful. Would you say sort of the majority of people who respond to the survey say that pet ownership is beneficial to their health, whether that be emotional, physical or psychological, than those who say the opposite? Does anyone say that pet ownership is not good for their health? Yeah, so we have about, in the most recent report, 85% of owners very strongly said their pets have positive impacts on their life. There was around 3% in this latest report that said that having a pet had some negative impacts for them. And that tended to be interestingly relating to the increased cost of living that we're experiencing at the moment. So it wasn't necessarily that they didn't like having a pet. It was just potentially providing some stress because of being able to afford to care for their pet, the time and responsibility demands and things like that. So yeah, not so much negative impacts of owning a pet, but the stresses that are coming in on them in trying to provide them the care that they need. Now, I know there's also some discussion around pets making it easier for us to grieve when we've had a loss, but also wouldn't they be part of that because we grieve them so much when we lose them? Yeah, that is a very difficult thing that people report. And they also, it's very interesting if we do ask questions about that, some people may need to have a new pet quite quickly to transfer that love and affection over to that new pet. And other people really struggle to move on and have another pet come into their life because, you know, people do increasingly, again, in our report, we see this increasingly see that their pets as part of the family and they really love them and value them. And so when they do pass on, it is really quite upsetting and and distressing. And it's one of the things that we are keen to work with governments on in providing support for people, not just to have their pets while they're there, but also, you know, the support when their pet dies. You know, it is a really difficult time in people's lives. How big an impact do you think it's having on people? I mean, at the moment, we're having such a massive rental crisis in this country and people are having to make pretty big sacrifices just to secure a roof over their heads. And often one of those sacrifices is they have to give up their dog or cat. What kind of impact is that having on people having to be separated from their pet just to survive? Yeah, that's a really good point. We don't have a lot of hard data on this, but the information we do have is suggesting that, you know, the impact of increasing cost of living, et cetera, and housing difficulties is causing obviously huge amounts of stress in people's lives in lots of different ways. And yes, one of those is their pets. So, you know, what we're starting to see is there may be some increased surrendering happening. And 
what we're seeing there is there does seem to be a, a skew towards people with greater financial and social vulnerabilities. And that tends to paint a portrait of people who are stretched really thin and very stressed out having to give up their pets. And that obviously is very upsetting. So it's certainly something that we are aware of and something, again, that we are keen to see governments be able to provide support to pet owners to keep them with their pets through these difficult times, particularly when we consider the benefits of physical and mental health on owners with their companion animals. So there is a lot of interest at the moment in having a greater understanding of the social benefits of pets, particularly to people who are in more vulnerable situations, including the elderly and the importance of pets in aged care facilities, etc. Science is there to back this all up. A 2017 trial showed dog owners experienced reduced loneliness. A 2019 randomised trial of university students reporting high levels of stress saw a reduction in stress from just 10 minutes of patting a puppy each day. A review of studies done between 1950 and 2019 found dog owners have lower blood pressure, and Purdue University's study found military veterans with PTSD do better physically and psychologically when they have a service dog. A 2019 British study revealed dog owners are four times more likely than non-dog owners to meet their daily physical activity guidelines, spending nearly 300 minutes a week walking their pet. A study from 2015 even found that having a dog makes you more attractive to potential partners, further research revealing more recently that both men and women choose to swipe right on dating apps more when there's a dog in the pig. Dogs make us more social, with research finding 40% of dog owners have an easier time making friends. And a 2009 Japanese study revealed that staring into your dog's eyes raises your levels of oxytocin, known as the love hormone, making them a natural mood booster. Dogs have also been found to improve the cognitive function of elderly people who undergo pet therapy, decreasing agitation in those suffering with dementia and improving their social interactions. So next time you're cranky because your dog weed on the floor or chewed up that thing or tripped you over in the hallway, remember, they're doing a hell of a lot more for you than you are for them. The Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Line. And remember, if there's a news story you'd like us to dive into a little deeper for you, all you've got to do is send us an email, thequickie at mamamia.com.au. Big thanks to anyone listening who's become a Mamma Mia subscriber. Subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. And of course, you'll be supporting our team of female journalists and producers. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. There's a link in our show notes. 